Welcome to Preston's Super Show. News, sports, and a whole lot more. It's the Super Show, baby. Warning. This show contains material that is only suited for patriotic audiences and people who have a backbone. If you like God, guns, and glory, you're listening to the right show. Sit back or carry on and enjoy Preston's Super Show. Welcome to the show, everybody. We got a great show today. This is going to be a good time. I've been uh, waiting to do this show here. I've been uh, just busy handling things, living life, living the dream. But today we have a foreign policy themed show and we're going to bring it back home at the end of the show. So first topic I want to talk to everybody about today is uh, number one, how beautiful it was outside. I mean, it was beautiful. These last four days have been beautiful here in my home state of Illinois. It's been so nice to just be able to go outside and not have to worry about the cold, even though we know the deep freeze is coming, especially if you looked at the Farmer's Almanac. We're supposed to have one of the worst winters of the modern day. But I digress. Trump withdrawing troops from Afghanistan by Christmas. This is... Something as old as um, most of you, where we have been in the Middle East nonstop um, and continually had problems uh, with being able to uh, help the Afghanistan people uh, find peace in their land. Um, It's taken a long time. And what's happening in Afghanistan currently is a numerous amount of issues. Uh, one issue is Afghanistan is asking its allies to step up and help negotiate peace talks between the Taliban and Doha Qatar. And uh, this has been something that's been going on for about eight months, maybe 10 months now, uh, where these peace talks continue to go, but then continue to stall out. Uh, the, the only thing you can look at here and, and see is that Afghanistan wants peace in their nation and we want them to have peace in their nation. But unfortunately, you're trying to, uh, make peace with a terrorist organization. So what type of peace can that be? What type of peace can you really have? when you're making a deal with terrorism. So, uh, I have a clip here. Uh, we're going to go ahead and uh, break this down, and I'm going to make a, a point about this. Clip number one. Agriculture is the Afghanistan's biggest industry. Write that down in your it head. It provides jobs for thousands of farmers and their families in the country. But COVID mm-hmm. has changed all that. Yes. This year, due to border problems, fertilizer has been available to us later and it's even more expensive. The second problem is because of transit issues, our exports have decreased. So they're having, that's a, that's a numerous number of issues. But this year, due to the spread of the coronavirus, our wages are lower and we have problems. So see what 
this entails here that every country besides more besides North Korea, and we'll get to that later in the show, uh, but every country is dealing with these COVID-19 restrictions. And even here in Afghanistan, uh, with agriculture being their number one driver of the economy, they're having the same issues as many countries are uh, as far as agriculture goes and the strain that's being put on the farmers due to COVID-19 restrictions. Um, we're going to go ahead and place uh, clip number two. Farmers here in Afghanistan's eastern province of Ghazni say the summer border closings hurt their exports. Every year, about five to six cucumber trailers were exported daily from Hasni province. But this year, due to the spread of the coronavirus, our exports have decreased and the price of cucumbers has also decreased. Exports taking a big hit here. Exports. Produce sellers in the local Remember, markets exports. are also witnessing the pandemic's effects. Coronavirus restrictions have had a negative effect on us. Produce has become cheaper and is not being exported. Not being exported. The produce is becoming cheaper. They're suffering. Under the Farmers Support Program, measures are being government taken to program. unsold produce. Government program trying to help the farmers out. So that local farmers and produce sellers are not left with losses. Now that has a double-edged sword to it it's got you know good and bad consequences um because no matter what there's always consequences to every decision that's made so what you're seeing here in afghanistan is what you're seeing all over you're seeing it here at home um it's not just us it's everywhere and uh covid19 and the restrictions have really belted uh the agriculture industry as a whole um which has adverse effects uh, all the way down to the consumer. So as you see, they do have some sort of plan, government bloated plan that uh, will have little impact, but there's some type of rumbling about them getting some relief. Um, you see the same thing here in the United States where uh, President Trump has helped the farmers out uh, many different ways with the PPP money. Um, all the way up to the farmers just being able to take out uh, loans from the government and being able to uh, subsidize some of that farming in order to recuperate some of that money. Um, but the, the big point here, the big story here, is that all over the world, COVID-19 has really belted agriculture, and it's going to be a slow growth because now we're moving into winter here in the United States, um, other nations not so much but here in north america we start to get this deep freeze and um you see a lot of the big uh, agriculture states like illinois and others they begin to cool off um so the agriculture outlook uh, is very very down very low and there's not a lot of enthusiasm uh, for uh, agriculture and farming alike so this is uh, a precursor to next year. This is a precursor to what we're going to be dealing with in the spring. Um, I can't say there's going to be food shortages, but there's going to be certain things on uh, the market that are getting shorted based on COVID-19's impact in the agriculture sector. This economy in Afghanistan is very fractured and very fragile. It's already been fractured, but now it's very fragile. 
they want peace. They want to be able to live their lives in peace. And they're calling on their allies to step up and help negotiate these peace talks and get it done. You're not going to get it done with Joe Biden. You're not going to get it done with Kamala Harris. You're not going to get it done with anybody that Joe Biden appoints because it's going to be Hillary Clinton and Obama leftovers. Um, and that's what you're going to have. You're going to have the scraps posing as a, as a full course meal. And that's what you get with these crackpot uh, Democrats in high ranking places. But there's another uh, issue facing this country. There's another uh, social issue, social construct. Um, and this is something, a good segue uh, into our, our next topic here. Uh, we're going to let uh, Mike Pence with uh, clip number three here. We're going to let Mike Pence go ahead and uh, fill you in. President Trump, unleash the American military and our armed forces destroyed the ISIS caliphate. And yes. Took, leader al-Baghdadi took him out. American casualties. No American casualties. The, everything he said is true. And it's it was really a brilliant debate performance by Mike Pence. This debate was better than I thought it was going to be. Um, did you see the meme about uh, it was Vice President uh, Mike Pence and the meme was the first man to ever win a debate with a woman. Very, very good stuff. Very good stuff. And this is what you're seeing here. This is the social construct I'm talking about. What's happening here is the Democrats are building a premise that Trump has a unilateral approach, that he only has one approach to foreign policy. Now, that's not true. That's not a valid statement. It's not a valid idea. In any way, uh, the approach to foreign policy is always multilateral, but there is one common theme that's been missing, and that was making sure that America is not being disadvantaged by foreign policy decisions. What's happened in the past under the Obama administration, under the Bush administration, under the Clinton administration, all the way to Jimmy Carter, we keep it you know, a little more modern, leave it there. But under all these presidents, it's been America to the back of the pack. And American workers have suffered, American families have suffered. And there's somebody you know that is from that time period that will be able to tell you where certain manufacturing and certain businesses were that are gone now. That wasn't because the company was... uh not not doing uh, extremely well. It was because of the foreign policy decisions and the terrible trade agreements that damaged and fractured America's manufacturing. That's where it began. That's where it all began. These people uh, look up Roper, uh, where my grandfather worked, and different factories uh, where they made things and put together uh, household items and things like that that everybody would need, like stoves and ovens. Um, dishwashers and, and dryers and all these different items. Um, you don't see those things being made in America now. They're being outsourced. They've been outsourced for a long time, long before Trump had power, long before Trump had influence in politics. 
but the narrative continues to be uh, no matter what Trump does, it's bad. Um, and you catch a lot of liberals and a lot of Democrats switching their stance from only four years ago, from eight years ago. They continue to switch their stance. They continue to lie and they will continue to be briars uh, to people that oppose uh, what they are suggesting. And to follow that thought up, what the Democrats are suggesting is a complete sellout to China, is a complete sellout to foreign nationals. And that is what the Democrats are suggesting. That is what Joe Biden is suggesting. And that is what Kamala Harris is suggesting. A lot of times they don't even answer the question, which is, I find strange, but, you know, they have that right. I also think that if you're not going to be able to answer answer the simple questions, if you can't answer the simple questions like we've seen Kamala Harris fail to answer many questions in that debate, if you can't answer those simple questions, how are you going to answer the media? How are you going to answer the American people? Very confusing stuff. Very confusing stuff the Democrats uh, have going on here. And I don't believe this phony polling data, just like Hillary. Hillary was up big. Hillary's up very big all the way up to Election Day. Same same way it's going to be with Biden and it's the same way with Obama. Um, uh, and we'll go ahead and, and let these two uh, have their uh, moment in the sun here. Let's uh, get a little bit more of that vice presidential debate. What we have seen with Donald Trump is that he has betrayed our friends. That's a lie. And embraced dictators around the world. The no, Iran nuclear deal is a key either. difference between He's Trump and Democratic nominee Joe Biden, with Biden promising to return to it immediately if elected. Penn slammed Biden for being a cheerleader for communist China. He said That's the administration exactly what wants Biden to improve is. Biden relations is a cheerleader for communist China. But then Trump will also hold China accountable for the pandemic. China and the world he has held them accountable. straight with the American people. Harris accused Trump you of heard hurting American jobs that is, and economy oof, that's because music of his trade war with China. China. Does not play she fair. cited recent global opinion polls by Pew Research. Pew Research, Democrat data dumping, uh, poll research uh, firm, and all they do Trump. is completely is smear Republicans every chance they get. Because of a failure of leadership by this administration. While foreign policy no, this is, is a failure of, of many minds, administrations past, and uh, she won't Israel, bring that up. Which matters to a key group of Trump supporters, evangelical Christians who made up about a third of Trump's backers in 2016. Yeah, that's Both true. Trump the evangelical vote is going to be huge in this election. But another lie. <clears throat> Another lie is perpetrated here, and that is that Joe Biden stands with Israel. You pretty much defeat your argument by standing with Israel when you say you would jump right back into the Iran nuclear deal. Um, you automatically have forfeited your support for uh, Israel. You forfeited your support for Jerusalem. Um, look, people, it's not that difficult. Iran, chant death to us in the street. Iran. Their people hate America. Their people hate Americans. They burn the American flag. Never forget, Iran is the ones that, during the Carter administration, they drug those people from the embassy through the street. It was terrible. It was awful. And there's never been any, any 
retaliation from America towards Iran. And President Trump was the first one to stand up to these terrorists in the Middle East who continue to denounce Christianity, continue to denounce American values, continue to go against everything we believe in, all the way down to uh, how we in this country build ourselves up and how we uh, have dialogue. They don't have the same type of dialogue in their countries. It's not the same at all. Iran is a radical nation. They've always been a radical nation, and they hate America with a passion like you wouldn't believe, but it's real, and it's present, and it's a present danger. And the moment America doesn't stand with Israel, the moment we have a president like Joe Biden that won't stand with Israel is the moment Iran will strike is the moment Iran will attack and advance their agenda, which they have and they've been working on for a long time, supporting and funding the guerrilla wars in the Middle East and the guerrilla warfare tactics used to kill American troops. This is present as it's ever been, and it is a big deal in this election. And for Kamala Harris and Joe Biden to even act, to even act, like they support Israel, I find so comical. <laughs> Kamala Harris wouldn't uh, even meet with Bibi Netanyahu, Prime Minister of Israel. Um, I mean, I, find, I just find that so comical. Like, these people, is, is every other word out of your mouth a lie? Or are you just playing along, hoping that no one calls you out. And that's what I'm believing is happening. I believe that's really what's going on. They're just playing along. They don't care. They're just playing along. They, they're going to say whatever they have to say to weasel their way in that White House. That is exactly what Joe Biden and Kamala Harris are planning on doing. We have other news. Like I said, we want to make sure we uh, knock out our foreign policy issues. But you heard in that vice presidential debate, you heard it very clear. Mike Pence, very calm, very concise, very accurate with his words and his statements. And he was never a bully in that debate. He was never a bully. He never raised his voice. Um, there was a few times he was in disbelief at what Kamala Harris was saying because it was so radical and such extremist statements, um, especially uh, trying to uh, openly convict the president of uh, being at fault for people catching COVID-19 when they're the same people that say it's everybody's responsibility. So I don't understand that mentality either. That's a little bit of a, a goof on their part, on their part by Kamala Harris and Joe Biden. But uh, there's a lot going on around the world and people aren't talking about it. So one thing that's happening in many, many nations is the deforestation, not necessarily the trees being chopped down, but the trees dying, the environment not being sustainable to harness uh, life in the forest for all the different organisms that live there. Um, this is a common theme that's been going on all over the world. Um, and who better to talk about this uh, than in, uh, the actual people on the front lines? So uh, here we go. We got a, another clip for you. Having a waking forest is um, right here. 
someone right on the I front would lines. Say a key component to restoring forest cover because one, it provides jobs for the community and um, yes. encroachment basically happens because people need oh, to survive. Okay. See one that of these businesses there? is Did essential oils. Baden is working with local farmers to grow aromatic plants like ylang-ylang and citronella That's to increase name. his oils production for sale to international markets. Wellington Baden was that man's name, CEO of Portal Forest Estates. Again, that's all courtesy of voanews.com. But what you're seeing here, and he alluded to it a little bit there. Um, he kind of just brought that up out of nowhere, and I'm glad he did because that was an excellent uh, pivot. And what he's getting at is that the encroachment that's going on in Ghana, and for that fact, for in all of Africa, what's happening is that it's people trying to survive, not people who are doing well, so they decide they're going to be encroaching. These are people that are trying to survive. They have no other means. They don't know any other way to eat and live um, and be able to continue to uh, move on and, and, and carry on with their work. Uh, so that's what's happening with the encroachment side. These people uh, for a long time have been encroaching. And even though I don't condone it, I, I understand. He makes perfect sense with his statements there. And you can see how they care about the environment, but they also understand that there's a big profit to be made in the forest. Again, we're in Ghana. Ghana's 71% Christian nation. Uh, they are uh, good friends of the United States. And in Ghana, they have also been hit by COVID-19 and COVID-19 restrictions. But their issue... Um, it's not necessarily the COVID-19 restrictions as in much is the deforestation and the uh, the less and less amount of forest cover uh, every year that's uh, showing up. So that's another issue that's being tackled in Ghana. We have another clip here. There's some other people working on the ground here. Uh, here we go with the next clip. Research chemist Justice Krensel distills the oils from the plants. He says he's the only member of his graduating class in this line of work. That's a real he unicorn. He's a real unicorn future. in this field. The fact that you are not really damaging the forest, you are not cutting down trees, and the fact that we don't use any fertilizers in the forest, so everything comes from Mother Nature, and that's that's a bit mind-boggling. See. He's he's right. Uh, it's Mother Nature. It's all to do with Mother Nature. These people, like, right on the front lines, these people in Ghana, research scientists, they're telling you, this is Mother Nature. So we're working with Mother Nature. We can't be working against Mother Nature. We have to work with Mother Nature. So we're seeing what we're getting here, and now we have to make the adjustment. We're seeing that the forest is not coming back the right way. We're seeing that the forest is shrinking in size. So now they're taking the steps to right that wrong. And there's another clip here. Uh, we're going to play this for you. Last clip about Ghana here. 
90 miles away, campaigners have been battling to save a different forest from government mining plans. Even in this Darryl nation, Bosu, they have issues with government wanting to mine in the forest. Organization, says the working forest idea is key to reversing Ghana's forest loss. I think it's, it's a good inspiration for every in- entrepreneur. Everybody here sounds happy and, and all upbeat. Of that, so that now forest management is not only the... The, the requisite, I would say, uh, mandate of government, but also of every individual. Because opportunities for benefits is enormous. Exactly. The forest brings so many benefits um, that it's it, sh- it should go without saying that we should be protecting our forest as protecting endangered species. We should be protecting the environment every opportunity we get. And that starts with us. Uh, it starts with us being responsible and uh looking at trash in a minimalist way and trying to minimize trash, trying to minimize your trash output, doing different things just so that you know you're doing your part. Because if everybody can get on that page, we can really make a change in our country. But what they're doing in Ghana here is those people on the ground, working hard, trying to bring their force back while they have the government continuing to move in and try to mine in these forests which really stifles this project they have uh, that they want here um, to be the blueprint of the world for forest preservation and forest management. Forest management is highly important. It's highly critical. And it's another issue that's being uh, tossed aside. It's been lost in the wind. And it was just, it was something I really wanted to bring to your attention because we can't lose sight of what's important. We can't lose sight of the truth. Um, Over 300,000 trees are gone, are are lost every year in Ghana. So that, that while that number is striking, it's a big percentage of their forest. And it's a big, uh, the more damage done to the environment, the more damage done to the forest is the more damage that is going to be done to the economy in the long run. And that's just simple fact of the matter. But bringing it a little bit more home now, bringing everything to the home front, back to the greatest nation in the world, we're going to talk about something that's uh, been highly politicized that never should have been politicized, and that's the opening and re-entering of students in the school. And uh, I have a clip here. I'll go ahead and play this clip for you, and I'll, I'll wrap about this with you. This is clip number eight. It's been over a month since the daughter of Alfia Husnudinova started going Whoa, to school name. in person. While most Maryland public schools continue here we are in Maryland. to teach children online, some private schools send the kids are back to school so I can play my video learning. games in peace. That prompted Husnudinova to send her daughter to a private school where teachers get regularly tested for COVID-19. Face masks for both children and teachers are mandatory, and school desks. Whatever are we gotta out. do to get these kids in school. So far, everything is fine. No one has been reported sick. I hope this will serve as an example for state schools, and they open for in-person learning soon. See how uh, calm she was, and see how nice she sounded. Don't you wish the politicians sounded this nice and calm about COVID-19 instead of all this rhetoric and if you don't wear a mask, you're going to 
uh, keel over. You're going to kick the bucket because someone uh, got a little drool on you. Like, it's just so ridiculous. I, I don't understand that mentality at all. But you heard it from a parent. Heard it some from someone with a kid. Look what's going on in Maryland. Look, no one at the uh, private school got sick. We're here at this private school. Everybody's wearing a mask. Everybody's getting tested for COVID. No one's getting sick. You know, but uh, a little bit of a different story in Florida. A little bit of a different story in Florida here. We're going to play this clip uh, right out of Florida. Florida, most public schools Florida. opened in August, and so far over 10,000 children have been diagnosed with the coronavirus. That's not good. Only private schools in two state counties What's still that? offer in-person private classes. Private schools? Private schools Ariana, leading the way against COVID-19? Private schools Shemar doing better than public schools in COVID-19 and everything else? In every other category, if statistically. If the kid has a small fever, they won't let him or her in. If the well, kid has sense. a runny nose or a small cough, it's the same. Yeah. They have no, imposed stricter yeah, rules here. Sense. Well, it's not really strict. It's all just being safe. I think that's just watching precautionary. As they consider fully reopening all of the state schools. Well, they need to be taking Maryland's blueprint there at the private schools. They need to be focusing a little bit more on the way some of these states that are doing it right are working. And I, I like Florida's governor, Ron DeSantis. I'm not putting the blame on him. The strain on families is immense if kids can't go to school. I don't think people understand that they don't have kids. But if your kid's not in school and it's the school year, that's a different, uh, that's basically a curveball. And it, you're not necessarily going to knock that out of the park. Uh, most families don't, you're and that's, you know, why you're seeing uh, domestic violence on the rise is just because people have been forced to be at home with each other for so long that it's just not healthy for your brain. Uh, and you can look at Dr. Jordan Peterson for that, and he, he will tell you all about it. But I'm serious when I'm talking about getting these kids back to school. I'm just kidding about the video game thing, even though, I mean, that would be nice if they these kids would be in school when they should be, and then I could play my video game when I have my time, and I wouldn't have to be bothered. But I digress. I, I just look at this and say, look, when you are talking about opening the schools up, the bigger schools are going to have the biggest difficulty, and that's just the fact of the numbers. The more people coming into the school, the bigger the risk. That's a fact. It, but what is working is the private schools. The private schools are working. So. That brings us to an interesting point in this country. It brings us to a crossroads. Are private schools the future? Is this homeschool and private school, is that the future? Instead of these big, gigantic public schools where not much learning is getting done anymore, and I can vouch for that being a, a student of public school for my whole entire life, I can tell you that there was not as much learning as you think going on there. Sure, there's there's a lot of good that comes out of it. And, uh, you you really have to want to learn in public school. Where private school is a little more one-on-one -on -one time with the teacher if you need it. In public school, you don't necessarily get that. And your classes are condensed as you get older. Um, you're getting more material and less time to go over. That's another problem in public school. You're getting more with less time um and even in the workplace that that's not you know you may work on a deadline but we're talking about students we're talking about people in school uh as far as deadlines go they should have a little more leniency i would think but you're seeing a common theme here in florida 
I'm going to pick on Florida for a minute. I'm not going to pick on Ron De- Governor Ron DeSantis because he's, he's top notch. The Democrats are making him out to be a bad man because he beat their poster child, their poster boy, Andrew Gilliam. And they can't let that go. They can't let go. They can't let go that the Republicans, not even DeSantis, but just the Republican Party outmaneuvered uh, the Democrat Party. Um, and not only did Governor DeSantis get in there, but you got Governor Rick's, uh, you got Senator Rick Scott in there, um, another Republican. So the Republicans were able to outmaneuver and outclass the Democrats in Florida and bring the more moderate people over to the Republican Party, which is what was necessary and it's necessary for any election. Uh, you can go back in history and look, that's necessary for any election. You have to be able to pull the moderates over to your side. That's your biggest gap uh, between you and the other party. If you're a Republican or Democrat, it's pulling those moderates over to your side, getting them to, you know, hold the candle with you and say, okay, this is what we're going to do. I believe in this. Um, it, and there's a lot of baton passing going on, but what's happening in Florida is that Governor Ron DeSantis is basically outsmarted the media and they're not allowing him to get away with it. Um, he's outclassed the media and they're not allowing him to get away with it. They they completely hate this man um, and I don't understand why he was put in immense pressure like many other governors and because he took a stand, because he led the charge and wanted Florida to get back to normal quicker, he has been condemned by the left and condemned by the left-wing mob, uh, the left-wing mob media and the left-wing radicals in politics. They all have condemned Governor DeSantis, but the people of Florida have spoken. That is their leader. That is their, who they believe in to run the state and handle the state's dealings. And... I just think the more and more the media continues to go after these different political candidates that are Republicans, it just opens them up. It opens the media up for more criticism and more bad reception because people are not going to take that well. We're tired of the bickering. We're tired of the infighting. We want answers, but we want the work to be done. And the, the Democrats and the media, they'll do nothing but try to stifle the work that needs to be done. And you're seeing that all over. You're seeing it all over. So schools uh, in every state are having issues reopening, but Florida's been open quite a while. Like they said, since August, 10,000 kids have come down with uh, COVID-19 not good, not pretty. And we wish every one of those kids well. But the main thing you have to take away from this, too, is it's not like the governor was there. It's not like he can be in every one of those schools overseeing this. That's not how it works. There's got to be accountability. There's got to be responsibility on the administrators of these schools. There's got to be accountability with the uh, school board. I mean, there's no reason for that number to be where it's at. But let me tell you another thing that they're not telling you. A lot of those COVID-19 diagnoses, uh, they didn't come from the school. A lot of that started in the home or when they went out with their friends or someone in the house had it. So they got it. 
that's what you're seeing. It wasn't just like everybody got in a classroom together and got sick. That's not necessarily uh, the truth. And that's what they're trying. That's what the media has been trying to alleviate. They've been trying to take away the realness, the rawness of it and, and, you know, get you to be confused. But really what's happening is that you can get that COVID-19 anywhere. It could have been a grocery store. It could have been anywhere where that kid had been. It didn't have to be that school. So to recap, we talked about Afghanistan today and exactly the issues facing their nation. They need help from their allies with resuming peace talks with the Taliban in Qatar. They need help uh, with their agriculture industry. Uh, it looks like they're getting some support from their own country, which is good. Um, but will it be enough? Then we talked about Ghana. We talked about the deforestation there. We talked about the deforestation across the country. Think about forest management. Think about forest preservation. Think about the California wildfires that have raged all the way up the West Coast and down the West Coast. I mean, it is a reality, folks, and it has to be taken seriously. And the sooner we take it serious, the more forestry we can save, the more forests in the world we could save. And right here at home, we could save our luscious forests that preserve so much life and bring so much benefit to the economy. And that's the way we have to be looking at it. And then we talked about schools. We talked about what it is to reopen schools, how, how it's going to be, what the landscape is, how it's been politicized. The media narrative is going to be that if you support kids going to school, that you're a villain. You're villainous because you want kids to learn and have an education. That is the narrative that has been built. That's the narrative that continues to be built by the left-wing propaganda machine in the media, CNN, New York Times, MSNBC, all the rest. Any left-wing propaganda machine organization, the Young Turks, all of them, they're all in on it. They're all in on destroying anybody that stands against them. Never forget that. Never forget that. But one thing that's being forgotten is that our enemies are not worried about COVID-19. That our enemies are not worried about a virus because they believe America is the virus. They believe the United States is the worst virus in the world. Look at North Korea, for instance, and just what they did just this Saturday. Let me play this last clip for you. If North Korean leader Kim Jong-un is worried about the coronavirus, it wasn't evident Saturday. Whoa. The North Korean don't leader let, don't let him hear a this massive guy. military Whoa. parade with no attendees seeing social distancing or wearing masks. No masks, no social distancing. An emotional distance. Kim apologized side by side. for recent economic troubles, but insisted military not a parade single North, North Korean had fallen victim to COVID-19. Above all, I feel very grateful for all our people being healthy and sound. Afterwards, North Korea unveiled what some analysts North described as a monster new intercontinental ballistic missile. It's perhaps the world's largest road mobile ICBM, North Korea says building up their Bruce arsenal. Klinger. Another missile added to their stockpile. Uh, most likely for payload. They already have the Hwasong-15, which can range all of the continental United States. So having a larger missile would enable it perhaps to have multiple warheads or uh, what's known as penetration aids, ways of deceiving anti-ballistic missile defenses. 
they are continuing to build up their military stockpile in every way, shape, and form. And that's what all our enemies are doing. This is just one North Korea here that our president, President Trump, has stood up to Kim Jong-un as the first one to put him in his place, so to speak, and check him in uh, his aggressions. But what's happening here is a common theme you're seeing. You're seeing it in Iran. You're seeing it in Russia. You're seeing it in China. The expansion of the military, the everlasting expansion of the military where they continue to pump money, pump money, pump money into the military, get more missiles, get more everything they can get that they believe could one day hurt America, get past our defense systems, get past our defenses. Folks, they're not doing this to scare us. They're not doing this to install fear in us. They're doing this because they hate us. They're doing this because deep down, they don't love America. They don't care about American values. They look at America as imperialistic. They look as jeans, as you wearing those jeans, they look at that as a sign of imperialism. It's real as ever, and it's happening right before our eyes. Ladies and gentlemen, it's been an honor. It's been a pleasure. And again, it's been a wonderful show. Remember, you can support this show, listener support. Go to anchor.fm slash Preston Super Show. Listener support. Support the show in any way. It's never expected, but it's always appreciated. Any little contribution, any big contribution, I'm always forever grateful. I hope you enjoyed the show today as much as I enjoyed making it because I really, really had a lot of fun. And these were a lot of issues that I've been wanting to talk about, and I'm glad we could get them out in the open and foster this healthier discussion and this dialogue that now you can take with you. And I do believe that you've learned something today from this show. So I do feel good about that. But the most important thing we can do is stand up for each other, is stop the infighting, stop the bickering. Let's focus on the big picture. The election's right around the corner. Make your voice heard. Make your voice heard. November 3rd, make your voice heard. There's a slogan for you. It's free. You can use it. I don't care. November 3rd, make your voice heard. It's time, folks. It's time. It's really time that we take a stand. When we take a stand, I'm going to go to the polls and I'm going to cast my ballot for the incumbent Republican president, Donald J. Trump. And I would ask you to join me. I would ask you to join me in doing that. And if not, that's fine. Do what you wish. But remember this episode. Remember this show. Remember me and what I told you about the dangers facing this nation. The dangers that you may not think are a reality can become a reality overnight. Ladies and gentlemen, just like the hands of time, I'm turning it over to you. Good night, everyone.